0: Alright, how's it going? This is Khalees, this is Khalees Exists and it is the 12th of the 1st, 2020. It's episode 17, man. We've got there, episode 17. Almost 18. Almost, this podcast is almost old enough to drink alcohol, yeah? Although, still going to an idea, isn't it? Challenge 25 and all that. It's not quite there yet, but it should be. by the end of this month, should be way past the ID stage. <laughs> How's your Sunday been, all right? Trying to no, ignore they have to go back to work on Monday as much as possible. Yeah, me too. I know it, man. Definitely know that. But it's all right. We're going to have a little bit of fun. End of Sunday, finish it off, and I'll go to bed, Right. Because the train's so bad here, right? The people that I'm going to be staying with, I didn't want to turn up at 12 o'clock tonight. It's not really good to start, is it? Uh, and due to some South that's what would have happened. Rocking up like, ah, how's it going? I don't know why. I'd be, yeah, I'd be really drunk. Twelve o'clock, like banging on the door. Let me in! I'm staying in here now. You can't, you can't change that. I thought you'd regret it. Oh. <laughs> I bought you, I bought you some chocolates, but I hate them on the trade. Don't know what that voice is. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to get up really early tomorrow, right? Which is gonna be hard. Someone's gonna have to kick me awake. I think. And I got to get the early morning train from Southampton to London to uh, get to work. But anyway, enough of that. Yeah, what am I... I've been watching Sunday movies, I have. Or oh, I a Sunday movie. Uh, it was on TV and I watched a bit of Flash Gordon. The old Flash Gordon film. Uh, oh, it's beautifully camp. And brilliantly kitsch. All the weird colours and, like, gold suits and shiny things. It's It's great. It's like someone went, let's make Star Wars but at it with a sort of cabaret. <laughs> it was made in 1980. Obviously, it's adapted from things far older than Star Wars, and Star Wars was originally started out as George Lucas wanted to make a Flash Gordon movie, and instead he went, fuck it, I'll do my own thing. Uh, oh, it's great fun. It's Mike Hodges is one of my favourite directors. who did Kit Carter, um, and in his book he says that Flash Gordon is possibly, or at least then, the most expensive improvised movie because they said they didn't really have a script, what would happen is each day the prop guy would show him a new prop that they've made, and my conscious would look at it and go, right, let's do this, and just make up bits as they go. <laughs> so apparently, yeah, a lot of it's improvised. Um, obviously, I'm mainly talking about it, so I could do my um, Brian Blessed impression of, to alive! <laughs> I do look at that and I go, I've got to lose weight, man, because... More and more, I'm going to become fucking Brian Blessed, sweats the beard, right, and get bigger. And he's in decent shape in that film. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not even in Flash Gordon shape for Brian Blessed. I'm in old, 70-year-old Brian Blessed shape. (laughs) Then me and my my mum watched uh, Jason and the Argonauts, which I was hoping to watch at Christmas, right? Because that's the sort of... The films I like at Christmas aren't like Christmas movies. They're the ones I remember watching around christmas when i was a kid like the ones that used to be on tv around the time like the great escape speed always used to be on at christmas when i was a kid like boxing days and stuff uh, it's a speed for me as a christmas movie but anyway yeah i watched it now oh it's great fun it's the 1963 one with uh the ray harryhausen animation um i remember vividly the animated skeletons which are so cool which apparently took ages to animate but it's worked so well the, combining the live action fighting with the skeletons and the swords like it's done really well but there's loads of other bits i kind of forgot about i saw it as a kid and i remember mean, they showed it at school looking back now it's a bit weird um in primary school they they showed it to us um and all the kids seemed to quite like it even though it was old even then um i don't know why i showed it was it meant to be Maybe we were learning about Greek mythology, I don't know. Or maybe the teacher was just like, fuck it, I'm bored, and am to put it on the video. <laughs> that occasionally happened. I remember when I was in secondary school, around GCSE age, and for history did American West, which is probably the project I did best at. I think I got like 98% on one of my coursework. mainly just because I fucking love cowboys. And nothing else is that good. But because I was like, finally, some stuff about cowboys, I can do that. And my teacher... Uh, I was really excited, everyone else didn't know what the hell it was, uh, showed um, High Plains Drifter and I was just, I, I loved Claire Eastwood back then and uh, I am man, I'm surprised they show it because it's quite a dark film it's got quite a lot of horrible scenes it's definitely an 18 and we're obviously 15 then, uh, I mean I love that they showed it but it was, it's dark as fuck that film it's great, but back to Chasing of the Argonauts, um yeah, I was thinking, actually, I could see why a kid would like it because it's quite action-packed. Like, every scene is basically a set piece. There's not really much story apart from, right, he's trying to get the Golden Fleece and on the way, you know, some giant monsters happen and some excuses for some cool Ray Harryhausen animation. And I've got to say, maybe this is just me being old, but I, a lot of it I do, I thought, it looked better than some CGI stuff because obviously Ray Harryhausen was amazing, so the detail and the movement of the stop uh Motion animation um models it was really great. Like they had these like ha- harpies, the wings. But the way they m- move, like the wings move, it wasn't just flap flap. They like kind of he really took took in the idea of the muscles and stuff, and found ways of like creating depth by having wings go through the cage there. And um, it was really cool. But I know I just like you can kind of tell it's a thing, even though it's a model. You could see it's a. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a touchable, tangible object. Whereas I find the CG, the problem is, even though it, it's got really detailed now, some really good work, and I've worked with some really good VFX people, I still still find it hard to kind of imagine it's tangible, I think. Maybe it's just something in your head kind of knows it's not real. Um, so I, I loved all the stop motion in it. But i can got to tell you, something I have noticed from Jason and Argonauts watching it now, it's Jason, right? The lead character is mind-numbingly stupid, right? <laughs> He is a few pillars short of a colosseum. That man. Um, <laughs> Basically, the goddess Hera says, "Like, look, look, I can help you five times. That's it. All I'm allowed to help you is five times." And they use that ball as like five wishes from her. And like the first sort of thirty minutes, it seems, for stupid things as well. There's a bit where there's a guy missing, and they all pretty much know he's dead, right? And there also Hercules um, is gone looking for him. And then, like, oh, how do we get Hercules back? Where's this guy gone, even though we're almost certain he's dead? And he asks uh, Hera, who's on a blackboard, uh, and it's uh, a. <laughs> but he talks her through on the ship. he has got this really creepy, sort of giant Vantronicus doll head of Hera. So she sort of looked like a giant, sort of Thunderbird head with these f- weird blinking eyes. And I asks her, and she's like, Are you sure? You want to ask me this? Is basically telling him, you can work this out. There's a couple of, right? And then he's like, no, I need to know. And she's like, all right, well, he's dead. And Hercules got other stuff to do. So fucking move on, mate, right? <laughs> and uh the same as a bit with uh, Talos. um It's like a statue of one of the Titans that comes to life. And uh, he asks, like, oh, help me, how do we stop it? And she's like, it's pretty obvious if you just look. You could sort it yourself. And he's like, no, please tell me. She's like, oh, fucking hell, you, you're stupid. All right, okay, there's a weakness in his foot, right? You would have seen it because it's bloody obvious. But no, I had to tell you and use up all the wishes. So, so <laughs> he is, you know, heroic chap is Jason in that film. Uh, he isn't, you know, he's not a smart guy. <laughs> he's a couple of wings short of a Pegasus, that man. He's a centaur with the body of a horse, and also the head of a horse. <laughs> but oh, it was still great fun. I still really enjoyed it. So last night, I went for a little walk outside, right? Outside the house. Just around the street, local streets. And um, I heard a scream. And of course, me being like, fucking like wannabe detective man I was like, I must follow this, this scream and find out. And get, say, I stabbed in the face. Um, so I went, to follow the scream, and I, c- I couldn't work out what it was coming from. So I was hoping it was just people missing about or something, or I don't know some sort of mouse, or the husband naked. Who knows? And uh, I couldn't find out where the scream was coming from, and it didn't seem to carry on. But um, I did um, go past this house. It was weird, man. I was like, I was like, if is there is any weird murders going around, it's going in this house. This is where it's happening. Probably the scream is someone who's escaped. <laughs> Because uh, outside the house, by the window, there was a parking meter, like an old-school parking meter outside the house. And I looked in the window, creepiest thing ever, right? There was a whole line of old, cuddly toys staring back at me. Oh, they all sat on a sofa, staring at me through the window. And I was like, uh, what is this place? <laughs> that is some horror movie shit. I'm going to walk away now before I get dragged in there hollowed out and shoved inside one of the cuddly toys that's what's happening that's what I, I imagined my active imagination was like oh maybe they're taking turning people into cuddly toys that's what the screens were I don't know what a parking meter there is there as well I, I don't know maybe <laughs> maybe they put some change in there every time they kill someone I don't know I haven't worked out that bit of the plot yet so I saw my dad yesterday which was nice he was in a good mood right and we he's in a good mood it's alright to talk to him Otherwise, it's like it's like talking to a, to a stroppy teenager. Every oh, every question is answered like Oh meh, meh." <laughs> he's in a good mood, and so it surprised me. He's got so he told me that one of his next door neighbors had his cat right, and they got the neighbors got a dog, and the cat obviously was like, "Dude, this is my territory. Fuck you guys!" has been coming to their house. So I thought my dad's gonna be like, "Oh God!" Like I was like, oh, no, what's he done to his cat." <laughs> I thought my dad was gonna be like, "I do fucking cat but no, he was like, "Yeah, so I've got this cat now." I was like, "What?" And he's just talking about it. It was so it was so sweet. he was like, eh, "Yeah, you know, sits and watch TV with me, you know." I I asked it to come sit with me. and It doesn't doesn't. It only when I'm sat down. and I don't ask it. It comes up on its own accord. It won't do it if I ask. <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, when I when I get up and leave, she's like mau,' Mow, mowing at me." Yeah, it's really sweet. They made me think, you know, because he's a tough guy. And made me think, oh, he's, you know, he's softened up a bit. But actually, in a way, he hasn't. He's sort of matured. Because there's kind of this idea that if a guy is um, showed sort of affection, that's a weakness, right? But it's not true. Like, if a guy, they say, you know, there's this thing that some guys grow up with uh, where it's like, oh, you, you shouldn't cry. You can't cry as a guy. Um, and it's you know it's seen as being weak if you do, but it's actually the complete opposite, right? Because I realized through five years of therapy that the real weakness is not being comfortable with your emotions and not being confident with them, right? Not being like this is how I feel now, and I have to accept it. It might be hard, but I will accept it. That is that's the strength in it. So and I cry, can fucking it'd be useful, man, right? Because you don't cry, it's just all. Oh, well, that emotion just holds up inside you as a guy. You tie it around into knots and then when the knots are too big, you shove them into a jar inside you and then you shove those jars in a cupboard full of other emotions you've never got, got through. <laughs> but if you let yourself cry when you need to, like when you actually need to, at least when it's coming rather than just holding it back, and you let it out, it's cleansing, right? Because afterwards, you sort of feel a bit balanced again. So your body basically just squeezing out its emotions through through tears. Although, So I'm on um mental health meds, right? Which have helped me a lot, which I'll talk about another point. But it means you can't really cry. This is kind of impossible. you sort of you get like the points where you might get like a the emotional like um heaving, the cry heaving, you know, where your body's sort of your eyes are clenching up and you feel like you should cry but nothing comes out. It's just dry as dust. But I do think actually like not being able to cry or thinking that you can't cry is actually a weakness if you think oh it makes you stronger tough it doesn't because there's something inside you that you can't cope with that's not strength that's you plastering over you're like one of those guys who's like dodgy car salesman right who instead of like patching up like holes in the bodywork they just stuff it through the paper and paint it that's what you're doing it's still there you're just covering it up there's not weak it's not strength it's a weakness and then i was thinking right if you're in a bar fight the best thing to do right look at the guy and you think he's not emotionally stable right just make him cry don't have to hit him because he won't be able to handle it just start being like do you remember the first gift your grandparents bought you for christmas and like do you remember that year when you didn't get that buzz Lightyear, yeah and all the other kids in the street did yeah do you remember the first person you ever loved you and you thought you could find other people and you want to mess about and you left her and then afterwards you're like oh she was the one yeah you just keep doing that until they break down to tears because they won't be used to it and they won't they'll they'll be like oh oh it's this oh, i can't handle it right where someone who does you know lets themselves go all right i'm sad now this is fine right it's stronger they'll be like i can deal with this that's fine i've done this before so yeah it's like a weakness to so try it out that's my new self-defense technique is <laughs> make the guy cry <laughs> we are talking about this Festival Brexit. It's meant to be a Festival of Britain happening in 2022. People are going the Festival of Brexit because the times of when Brexit is really going to become a thing in, in England or at least the, the effects of it. So people are going to the Festival of Brexit. What really it is, though, is Festival of Britain. And what that means is they're trying to distract us, hoping that having a little party will distract from the fact that, you know, it, food is more expensive, drugs are harder to get. You know, we're all eating chlorinated chicken. And our health service has been sold to the Americans. Because <laughs> they were saying like, oh, you know, you want to bring the country together. It's like, no, you just want the country to be happy with you is what it is. You know, you have a lot of pissed off people after Brexit. People who vote for it as well won't be happy for various reasons. People who vote for Remain won't be happy. So you have been, oh, you know, it's like um, your parents where they've upset you. and They not know if that's wrong. So they take you for ice cream. Maybe you forget. That's what it is. Is, is the government hoping they could take the entire country for ice cream? And they'll be like, oh, that was fun. And then go, <laughs> and then sweep all their other crap under the carpet. Gillian Anderson is, um, and her partner, Peter Morgan, uh, the creator of The Crown, um, have come out to talk about how they sort of, they are together as a couple, but they live apart. Um, and some people look and go, oh, well, that can't be good. Or actually, No sounds like a great idea they said like, like living together would be the end of the relationship and that sort of makes sense right because you're putting extra pressure on it in terms of instead of going right let's be together when we want to be together right and then have our own time work out what shit is going on ahead and then be back together you know that's actually quite grown up because sometimes we go no we have to just stay in a room and get through the fact that we're going to be annoyed that there's someone else in the room with us at all times Instead of doing that, they're going, right, let's just, you know, have different places. We can, you know, obviously they can afford to. That's the added thing. But, you know, they're going, look, we know if we're going to be together all all the time, we're going to hate each other. But it doesn't necessarily shouldn't be together, right? We kind of trick ourselves saying, oh, if I can't be with one person 24 7, right? Every day for the rest of my life, we shouldn't be together. It's like, no, I mean, you're human. You should be able to have a time when you, you know, you could do stuff on your own, yeah? You can watch your own programs now then, right? Because otherwise, it's like, oh, we can only watch the programs that we both like, right? And then you both start to resent each other, right? Because you're like, oh, will you watch this? And she's like, oh, I don't really like that. And then she's like, what about I watch this? Though? And you're like, oh, mm, uh, it looks a bit boring, right? Yeah, so you could have a time partner, That And then she'd be like, right, I'm going to watch my fucking programs now. I'm watching Repeats of Kojak, that's what's happening. <laughs> so yeah, fair play to them. Hope it works out and all that stuff. Sounds like they're at least being honest, you know, together. It's like we want to be together, but you know, we don't necessarily want to be locked in like we're prison cellmates. So fair play, you know, if you should do it the other way, that's c- cool too. But you know, why not? Try it out. I just saw that apparently they're planning to do a musical of uh hustlers. Um, you know the film with J Lo with the sort of it was kind of like trying to sort of structuralise a bit like Goodfellas in a way. It was like, you know, that classic sort of gangster plot where it's like, you know, they're not doing very well and then they come up with a scam and they do the scam. It's all great and they're loving life and then, you know, something cracks as an informant, uh, you know, it falls apart and then at the end they're sort of in prison or they're looking at their lives differently or whatever. Sort of that sort of film. Um And then I seen the they're turning, uh, doing that Silence of the Lambs sequel mini series. So like the thing is now, right, if they ever get anything successful, right? They're so scared of doing something that's unsuccessful, trying something new, that instead they just squeeze it to death. They're like, right, oh, Hustler's did well as a film. So let's just see what else we can make it into. Breakfast Seal? Hustler's Breakfast Seal? Does that make money? Musical? Will that make money? Soap uh, just do a play, uh, some poems, a book of poetry, pop hustlers, or a video game. Uh, what else? Vacuum cleaner. Uh, uh, uh. Oh no, it's lost money now, right? Scrap all together. That's, that's what it is now. Just, you can't just have a successful book anymore, right? As soon as it's successful, someone's bought the rights, it's a movie, and then oh, it's that's a TV series, right? Or maybe it's a TV series and then a movie. That's a radio play, that's a musical. That's the thing now, they sort of turn everything into musicals. Um, and there's a Back to the Future musical, right? It's just, yeah. I guess it kind of makes sense, maybe. I don't know. Uh, it's got, obviously because they can't get the the original creators, won't let them make a a sequel or a remake anymore. So they're just looking for ways to make money out of it that they can do. Like, can we do a musical? Will you let us do that? Still waiting for Gandhi, the musical. That, that sounds great. That would be great. <laughs> Or Henry, the Portrait of a Serial Killer, the musical. (laughs) Ah, Flash Gordon, the musical. If they'd done that, that would actually be great. Gordon's alive, alive. Gordon's alive. He's alive, he's alive. Gordon's alive. He's alive, he's alive. (laughs) You know, I think that might be fun. There was something on Twitter about um, first DVD you ever bought. Uh, so it made me think about the first DVD I ever bought. Not the first video. But the first DVD was, um, I think it was probably about 10 or so. It was a compilation of uh, The Rock's Best Moments in WWE. <laughs> w- yeah, WWE. Um, and I bought it, right? Didn't have a DVD player. My dad was like, hey, I'm sure I've got one. I was like, yeah. They get there. It's a fucking video player, wasn't it? Bloody video player. And it only when I got my PS2 that I was able to to do it but I didn't have the right cable or something and it had some sort of rights thing on it and I had to work around that anyway um, then I got sort of what did I get after I got Rush Hour and I got Austin Powers because it was a weird uh, I think, mean, a deal in Woolworths at the time around Christmas where you could buy like the Matrix no it was Blade Austin Powers 2 and um, Rush Hour I think you could buy as like a set and uh, so I got um, I got Rush Hour and I got Austin Powers 2. And my brother got um, Blade, but he already had Blade, right? And I really wanted to see Blade. I think I was only 10 or so, 11. And uh, I was like, oh, swap Austin Powers 2 for Blade. And my brother's like, yeah, that's fine. I haven't got Austin Powers 2. But my mum wouldn't let us, would she? Wouldn't let us. She didn't want me to have Blade. It was an 18, looked violent. Oh, so stuck with Austin Powers too, which you know I did enjoy at the time but oh, I really want to blade I want to see Wesley Snipes cut people's heads off and fight clubber vampires that's the best thing about that movie is the the vampires are all like sort of 90s pill popping like drum and bass loving <laughs> clubbers ravers basically raver vampires uh, best line from that movie is uh, Wesley Snipes going some motherfucker's is always trying to ice skate uphill which is apparently something he actually said, and so they wrote it in to the film. So there you go. They were the first DVDs I ever had. There you go. Uh Do you see that? There's, we're finally getting Y2K problems. You remember? Do you remember during the, the millennium, everyone was worried about Y2K? I remember as a kid being scared to fucking death. It was like, oh, Y2K, all the computers go down, missiles going to launch, we're going to die, right? And there was even a TV show on the BBC, I think. It was like a Y2K watch, and it was basically waiting for everything to go shit it was basically a tv program to go watch as the world collapses live on bbc one um, <laughs> and then nothing happened and then the presenters just didn't be like right well there you go that's nothing and it turns out what happened was the computers there was a problem with was the ones where to save data a recorded date with just two numbers rather than four and they were worried, you know, once it got to zero zero, it would think it was nineteen hundred rather than uh two thousand. And so they did a little fix on it, basically, because it was cheaper uh than to like reprogram everything and rewrite the code. So they did a little fix so the computer would record every number from zero zero to twenty as being in the two thousands, right? And they assumed all this stuff like, well they're not gonna have this in twenty twenty, are they? This is all crap, they're not gonna have it then oh <laughs> turns out people are like well if it's not broken don't fix it and a load of the stuff that they <laughs> did the fix on still you've used so now they're having the y2k problem because everyone forgot about it all the people who did the maintenance work were like wow you know they're not going to use it in 20 years time oops no they did uh so now they're having to deal with it because they completely forgot and were like "Ah, maybe we should actually finally change our machines over there you go <laughs> A university in Amsterdam did a study looking into sort of eureka moments, you know, the whole, like, ah oh, I've cracked it sort of theory. Um, you know, you might have it itself, you know, where you're just thinking about, oh, oh I've only got eggs and I'm, and cheese in the fridge, what do I make? And you're like, ah oh, I can make an omelette, right? You know, that's... <laughs> don't know why that's my example. Um, but they did research that suggested that maybe actually the eureka moments are moments of i guess it's like a sudden adrenaline of oh, i've solved it actually can lead us to beliefs, things that are wrong so perhaps it's like that sort of rush of energy that kind of quick thought that comes from your subconscious right up to the conscious and you're like oh that must be an amazing idea actually no it's not so you could be like oh I've only got eggs and cheese in the fridge. Uh, uh, ah, I realise I can make noodle soup with that. No, you can't, all right? <laughs> I find that interesting that, all, that there's people out there going, ah, Eureka, I've realised it. And they're actually you know, realised something that's completely rubbish. <laughs> the last couple of podcasts have been a bit long, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it there for tonight. Um, I'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Uh, yeah thanks for tuning in guys I really appreciate it I hope you're having fun I'll fucking love doing this so it's going to be going for a while I hope we'll I'll take it day by day and uh, today's Sunday I'm signing off got to get ready for bed I'm trying to stop myself going oh god I've got to go to work so just trying to maintain my zen okay find my happy place uh um, <laughs> yeah, thanks again um, don't let the bastards grind you down especially tomorrow it's a Monday the bastards are really trying to hit you in the face on Mondays don't they You've had a weekend and now you're back at work. and That's when it really can get you. So don't let them in. Don't let the passes grind you down at all. Right? Get through the month, those January blues. Okay? Almost at the end of January, it's not far away. that's it's February. And then it's March. And March, it's all up from March. So we're not far, you know? Spring. And then you can start getting your shorts out in the barbecues and we'll all be all right. Okay? So enjoy your Monday. Right? Don't let the passes grind you down. Let's do this again sometime.